0: To Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. This is the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. In the name of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. Over the last few years, I've noticed a significant uptick in the use of the word goat. G-O-A-T. Not the animal, but the acronym that means greatest of all time. This is an expression that's particularly prevalent in sports and hip-hop, although it's used in all kinds of fields to talk about the person who's the greatest at whatever they're doing. The phrase can be traced back to the late Muhammad Ali, a boxer who was nicknamed the greatest. It was also used very early on by the rapper LL Cool J in an album called GOAT, Greatest of All Times, that he said was a tribute to Muhammad Ali all kinds of people are either called or they claim to be the GOAT. Michael Jordan, Sabrina Williams, Lionel Messi, Tom Brady. (laughs) Simone Biles, all GOATs. The phrase has become so common that Merriam-Webster added it to the dictionary in 2018. It seems that almost anyone can declare themselves the GOAT. I've seen high school athletes and... Uh, amateur DJs and really confident grandpas, all walking around with with sweatshirts and hats that say "goat" across them in big bold letters. I've even seen four-year-olds running around in like stained T-shirts that say "goat" on it, and I have to wonder to myself, like, what is a preschooler's like great accomplishment, and isn't four years old a little bit early for them to be peaking? But The prevalence of this phrase goat comes as no surprise because we live in a culture that celebrates winners. It's normal for people to look up to the rich and the powerful and the accomplished. And we want to align ourselves with those kind of people even if it's just by cheering for them and championing their success. So in a culture that celebrates winners, that values success and practically worships the goats, Our gospel text this morning is a really tough sell. Today, the words of Jesus that we heard will strike most people somewhere between completely nonsensical and kind of offensive. Just before our gospel reading that I read today, there's this story about Jesus going throughout all all of Galilee. He's preaching in the synagogues and he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. The text says that he's curing every disease and every sickness among the people. It says they brought to him all who were sick, all who were afflicted with various diseases and pains. There were people who were possessed by demons, people who were experiencing seizures, and people who were paralyzed. And Jesus cured all of them. And as a result, big crowds of people started to follow Jesus because there were so many people in need of healing so many people who had problems that only he could address. So our gospel text this morning says, when Jesus saw these crowds, he went up a mountain. Although really by our standards, it would just be a hill. So he went up this hill with his disciples, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the four disciples that he's just called. And together they look out over this crowd of broken and broken-hearted people. And Jesus says, Those are God's beloved ones. Those are the blessed ones. This part of the Gospel of Matthew is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this first part of the Sermon on the Mount is often called the Beatitudes. That's a Latin word that means blessed. This extended teaching of Jesus begins with Jesus describing four different kinds of people whom he calls blessed Only the circumstances that Jesus describes in these first four Beatitudes don't sound anything like blessing at all. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And by that he means, blessed are those people who have been beaten down by life. Those people who feel bruised and broken in their soul. People who are just weary, who are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Next he says, blessed are those who mourn. He's talking about people who grieve, who live every day with emptiness and loss, people who wonder if they can ever be happy or whole again. Jesus says they will be comforted. In the third beatitude, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Here he's talking about the humble, but also the powerless, the voiceless, the invisible. Jesus says they will inherit the earth. Then Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This blessing is for those people who are aching for a different kind of life. A life that is more in line with God's vision and God's values. Jesus says they will be filled. So we have the poor in spirit. We have those who mourn. We have the meek. And we have those people who are desperate to change their lives. That's not exactly a list of who's who. There are no goats in this crowd that Jesus is looking at, and yet he calls them blessed nonetheless. In this inaugural sermon, Jesus makes two important claims. First, he locates God's proximity to pain. He tells the disciples and the people in the crowd that God is nearest to those who suffer. He tells them and us that God stands with the lowest and the least. He reminds them and us that God is not concerned with who is great or who is the greatest. God is concerned with what is broken and hurting in our world and in our lives. The Beatitudes remind us that God doesn't turn away from us when life becomes chaotic or messy. Quite the contrary. In those cases, God comes even closer to us. While the first four Beatitudes address those who suffer, the next five speak to those of us who have the capacity to relieve suffering. In the second half of this teaching, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people hate you and tell lies about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. It's in this latter half of the Beatitudes that Jesus makes his second claim. He insists that those of us who follow him must share his concern, his compassion, and his love for a suffering world. And it can't just be a thoughts and prayers kind of love. It has to be an action oriented kind of love. Because remember, just prior to this text, Jesus is actively engaged in a mission of healing and hope. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, he's curing every disease and every sickness among the people, he's casting out demons and caring for the afflicted, he's doing the work of love. And in this latter half of the Beatitudes, Jesus invites us to embody the same way of being in the world. He invites us to be a blessing in other people's lives by showing mercy, by being pure-hearted, by making peace, by working for justice, even if it comes at a cost. Our first reading from the book of Micah also similarly spells out God's ethic. Micah 6.8 reads, God has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? While the world concerns itself with greatness, God's concern is for the blessed ones, for the sick and the sad and the hurting among us. Regardless of what conventional wisdom might suggest, being the blessed one has nothing to do with how many points you score or how many records you hold. It's not related to our salary or our sales or our grades or our popularity. And that's really a relief because despite our culture's obsession with and insistence on peak performance and overall greatness, probably none of us are gonna be the GOAT. Although Pastor Pastor Doug told me that he is still working towards that, so maybe. But I'll tell you, 99% of the people who think they're the goat, they're mistaken. (laughs) And that's okay. God does not expect greatness. God does not expect peak performance. God expects us to love one another, to show mercy, to work for peace. You know, even Muhammad Ali, who was the actual goat, even he eventually declined He sustained significant damage to his brain from all of that boxing, and over time he lost a lot of the ability that he had. But this champion, maybe he experienced God's blessing at this time in his life more than any other. Because it's often when we are at our lowest, rather than when we are at our best, that we experience the love and grace of God most poignantly. You know, actually, if I think about it now, a four-year-old in a goat shirt does kind of make sense. Because according to the teachings of Jesus and according to God's great reversal and the values that underpin all of it, the greatest among us is also the least. Thanks be to God. Amen.